Welcome to Conversations from Here with me, Dana Ziegler. These candid, unfettered talks create connection and inspiration across the human story. These are the sharings of how we came to be ourselves, how we found our life's purpose, and how we made it from there to here. I speak with performers, artists, artisans, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, and other remarkable people about what they do and how they came to do it. Also, the music you hear on this show is performed, as always, by Brad Watson. Today on Conversations from Here, I bring you a love story. It is a love story between two people and a love story between two people and pianos. Yes, that is right. I am speaking with our friends, Alexandra and Matthew Walworth. They are the kind folk who are the owners and operators of Ammo Pianos in Lebanon, Tennessee. And we're going to learn a lot today about the structure of pianos, the care and feeding of pianos, and all kinds of things that you never imagined. It is a fascinating look into their very rarefied world. Um, and what are the odds that two people who met at Cracker Barrel would become piano technicians who are doing amazing work in the Nashville area? I couldn't wait to have this talk with them, and they finally had some time in their busy schedule to sit down and share their stories. So I hope you enjoy. This is me chatting with Alex and Matt. Enjoy. Hello there, Alexandra Hello. and Matthew Walworth. Welcome, welcome, Alex and Matt. Hello, hello. <laughs> and I've been dying to get you guys on because you have fantastic stories and we know you. Of course, through, we know you through Brad's piano. <laughs> so yes, apparently beautiful Baldwin piano. Yes. <laughs> yes, and um, and so um, and 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 as you do tuning and you do restoration and you you essentially you are a rescue organization for lost pianos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So we try to we try to do the best we can uh, to work on pianos and get them tuned up and get them playing the best way that they can. Um, and if not, we have other plans plans for them. Uh, but yeah, we kind of we kind of consider ourselves more of a piano doctors than a <laughs> piano rescue. Kind of like we we try to take care of the health of the piano um, and try to make sure it, it works the way it's supposed to. And so um, if, if we if we cast ourselves back to kind of a, an origination point, the two of you, um, before you met each other, were you both um, were you both musicians or interested in music or what was the were you always geared toward pianos or when did this begin? I, I think probably for both of us, um, we definitely have mus like musical backgrounds. Um, I grew up with my mom being a singer. Um, his dad is a guitar player and a songwriter, um, mm -hmm. among many, many other things. Um, uh, I play flute. He, uh, he took he took piano lessons when he was younger. And I think maybe for the both of us, it was just kind of like this kind of weird stepping stone into 
piano technology in the piano industry and taking care of pianos that we really didn't expect. Right. <laughs> and um, the other thing that's interesting about your story, and, and we spoke a bit about this the last time we saw each other, was that Cracker Barrel played a pivotal role <laughs> in both of your lives. <laughs> A little, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Definitely helped us. Yeah, yeah, that was a good. Yeah, Matthew was known as uh, Mr. Mr. Cracker Barrel um, here at store number two in Lebanon, um, which is Cracker Barrel's hometown. Um, but it was his second job, and he worked his way up to becoming um, a high-level trainer for not just the our store, but for for the mm -hmm. uh, a trainer for the company um, as well. Um, and um, I took a, I moved from Lebanon at one point and I had come back and needed a job and he helped me get hired at Cracker Barrel uh, before, before we officially started even dating. Right. Um, uh, but um, we both worked there for several years. Um, and a lot of what we learned from there um, is like for the customer service aspect as well as multitasking and hard work we've learned both learned a lot from from working there um but we just ended up working with a lot of great people had a lot of awesome memories there um and uh he even proposed to me <laughs> during the christmas party on the on the on the fireplace um, in front of um all of our friends and family um so it definitely has a, a big place for us yeah. um and the funny thing is is our very first storefront is maybe a half a block away from <laughs> away from right. Cracker Barrel, so we didn't travel very far from it. <laughs> right. So, so for those who don't know, you are you're speaking to us from Lebanon, Tennessee, which is just east of Nashville, and of course we're in Hendersonville. So we're in, we're in the same time zone. We're not far away from each other. We're probably about a forty five minute drive away. Um, but the interesting thing, like you said, that the the Cracker Barrel skills translate over into i mean it, it's kind of one of those things where no experience is ever wasted because you learn your life carries you along and as you go you you're 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 gaining skills and experience and anything i mean it's kind of you know I mean, it makes sense doesn't it that like everything that you gather in your life that you collect up and you know serves you in the future in ways that you have no idea <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah and then when was it when was it that um that yeah so so obviously david married and uh and when was it that you that y'all decided that you were going to open a shop a piano shop oh that was we got married in 2008 I had a whole bunch of stuff going on and it was 2007 we got back home from san antonio 2015 it was yeah yeah about like very first kind of, piano that oh go ahead yeah it was just uh, our first piano yeah probably around late 2007 16 early 2017 mm -hmm. um so eight 
eight years ago is what is what we say um but it kind of like started off as you know just like fiddling around on stuff and then became a hobby and uh, before we knew it it was what we wanted to what we wanted to do and then by that point it like because pianos are large things <laughs> you realize that you if you were going to work on more than one you needed space <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so we 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 started off with our own piano and working on it um, and then eventually after working on other people's pianos and stuff like that um, we started collecting pianos essentially um, through uh, friends and family Craigslist and Facebook and stuff like that uh, and we had more pianos than we had rooms in our house and when we realized that was what we were probably going to do, <laughs> we decided that we were going to start looking for an actual store mm -hmm. um, uh, with like a storefront and workshop and actually make it full time and not just a hobby. And then so Matt, what about your what about your tuning um, education? Like what um, what do you go through to learn how to tune or do you are you able to just uh, sell? Did you teach yourself or did you have a mentor in that area? Uh, mostly self-taught, but it's not really tr true because I mean you you always learning from other people too. So you know it's uh you know just had a lot of uh, people in the, in the piano technicians guild of Nashville. You know is uh, a good really valuable network of uh, skilled uh, crafts uh, people in the trade. You know so. Mm -hmm. And uh, just uh, you know, we meet constantly, and you know, always sharing ideas. So it helps you get stronger. <laughs> so, and it's also such a small world. Like for example, um, Friday night, uh, Brad and I went to go see our friends Tammy and Danny, who are they? They they both own and live at um, Spring Haven, which is where we got married in Hendersonville, and she had friends they were they were all musicians and they came and one of them uh knows you <laughs> and um her <laughs> okay. name's i think her name is sharon and she she teaches at cumberland university oh okay gotcha oh, okay. yeah oh, cool. okay. but that's but that's a, so i was going to tell you this because it's just an example of how small the world is in terms of musicians and teachers and um and 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 you who who are piano doctors <laughs> and how yeah. you all basically know each other um and then um also tell me a little bit about the space that you will be moving into because this is very exciting stuff you're, you're gonna have a space in in downtown lebanon right on the square Yep. Yes. Yes. Very excited. Yep. Um, it's uh. So we're gonna be moving to um, Lebanon has um, a historic um, downtown square. Um, I don't know when any of the original buildings were built, um, but I know the building we're going into was originally built in I think 1926, um, early to mid early to the mid 20s, um, and I think that's the average age for for those. Um, um, but it's 
um, you, you've been to where we are currently. So, um, it's kind of sim like space wise, kind of similar. Um, it's going to be long and narrow, but, um, it's actually going to be both upstairs and downstairs. Um, and what we're absolutely excited about is the fact that it actually has from what we understand the original industrial lift mm -hmm. for moving. I don't, I don't know what the building was originally used for. A lot of it was agricultural type stuff and feed and, and spices and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that might be what our building was originally used for. It's like a six by six or seven by seven solid metal platform that goes up and down. That's going to be absolutely perfect for moving pianos up to the second second floor um but we're really excited about moving to the square because the lebanon's been for the past 20 years they've been wanting to revitalize the downtown area and build it back up um and it flooded in 2010 and that set a lot of plans back and they're just now being able to play catch play, getting to where they were originally planning for playing catch up um, and there's a lot of great, a lot of great, um, shops already there on the square. We have a couple of, um, at least, um, one restaurant, um, a brewery, lots of boutiques, a fantastic, uh, coffee shop and a great little independent bookstore, um, and a guitar shop, Jack's mm -hmm. Guitar Archaeology. And that's actually who we're going to be moving right next door to. That's um, going to be fantastic. We're, we're, we're excited excited about that and it's a really great community um everybody's really tight-knit it seems like um on the square um and there's they have a lot of events that we think we can contribute to um and it's just exciting because we're from lebanon um though neither of us originally we both moved here in the eighth grade i think eighth grade for you eighth grade for me um and but it's home for us and um the the actually downtown our uh, historic square is actually the center of our town um and it's it's i'm excited about it it's gonna be really cool to be part of that community and then you're also um you mentioned that that you're gonna have teaching little spaces for for lessons and things like that upstairs right and that is going to be something that you don't have right now, which is going to be incredible because you'll have, you'll have the showroom on the bottom and then you'll have the mm -hmm. shop. So like the shop for when you're working on pianos, that would be upstairs too. Yeah. It seems like from, from, from what we're planning, um, it seems like we can have uh, a workshop workshop, both on the top and the bottom in the backside of the building. Um, but this will be the first time that we have an opportunity to provide lesson rooms, which is, mm -hmm. we do everything piano <laughs> except for piano lessons. Um, just mm -hmm. because we don't have the ability to set up the rooms quite you know, um, with soundproofing and stuff like that, the, the way you need to, um, but we'll be able to, we'll be able to do that. Um, those are planned to be upstairs. Um, we kind of have an idea of how many we're going to have, but we'll have to wait until we can get in there and start, start planning things out. Um, mm -hmm. but not just piano lessons. That'll be our main focus, but we're also hoping to have it, um, as an opportunity for other other music teachers, guitar, vocal, violin, drums. Um, like mm -hmm. we said, we're right next to the guitar shop. Right. 
um, they only have one level and they don't have a room for guitar, a lesson room. So we would like to be able to offer them if they want to put a teacher in one of our lesson rooms um, to be able to do that. Um, so it's going to be a really great way to network and um, get, you know, get to know the community and stuff like that, you know, um, not just pianos, which we've been doing for the past eight years, but also an opportunity to get to know more of the musicians in the sure. area as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of cross-pollination. And then, and then in terms of the pianos that you have to work on now, because you mentioned that in the early days, it was kind of, you know, things that you would you would find them you would family and friends would would have them and give them to you or but these days um is it estate sales and things like that or schools that don't need their pianos anymore or where do you usually get them from um, a lot of times um, it's um, sometimes it's going to be people who purchase a piano and they have one to trade them in. Um, we look at um, purchasing, you know, from Craigslist and Marketplace and stuff like that, but we're, we have to be pretty, pretty selective. Um, we also offer consignment and stuff like that. Um, our, one of our main focuses is rebuilding and restoration, the antique pianos. So we try to actually look for um, what and uh, for what we're kind of known for um, in the piano technician um, network is the older, more unique pianos. Um, we have a really small piano that's only 64 keys, 68 keys. Mm -hmm. We have a piano that has um, from 1910, 1915, that has five pedals instead of the traditional two or three um, that has different functions. Um, uh, we just look for um, the rare and the unique, just like people are, um, you know, um, uh, and we've been really lucky because almost all of those also come with stories behind them, um, right. which is one of the reasons why we love what we do, especially me. I'm a big reader. I'm really, I, you know, love storytelling. Um, and a lot of these come from families who have had them for generations, or they might have a funny story about how they came, came about, about the pianos. Um, but, um, you what know. is your what is your favorite what is your favorite story about a particular piano that you remember <laughs> depends on at least for me it depends on if it's the piano itself or if it was moving the piano to, to get it i don't know what about the, adve the adventure of moving a piano which which sounds like it could get a little dangerous too because yeah. they're so big <laughs> yeah <laughs> Definitely been a few where you had to call in the backup. <laughs> you know. um, Especially think, if you have like a Mason and Hamlin nine footer. <laughs> yeah, like if you get a concert grand, that's right. definitely gonna be fun. Right. Um probably one of my a lot of one of my favorite general stories that comes along with a lot of them are pianos from like the early 1900s to the 1930s and they were bought by great grandparents or great 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 grandparents mm. and it's been in the family um but one of my favorites was when we were first doing it we had to push a piano up a hill <laughs> and it took us <laughs> Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it probably took us about two, two and a half hours um, to, because they, they had, 
they had a steep driveway. It was gravel and it was, they forgot to tell us that it was also just freshly graveled. Oh. So oh, we couldn't so get our pack down at all. Not at all. I mean, it had to have been just the week, week and a half before. Um, and, but they wanted the piano. Um, it was for this lady's kid. Um, and they had sold a piece of furniture that had been in her family for quite a while to purchase the, to help purchase the piano. And we were just determined to get it back, to get the piano up into the house because they needed it. They absolutely needed it. Um, and once we huffed and puffed and got it up that hill, um, and we got it into that house and into the spot and the kids sat down and just started playing their really simple, just learning songs. And you could tell that they had talent mm. and you could tell they loved it. And the mom and the brother and the sister that were there, you know, they were enamored with it. And that was very, very, very early on. And that for me kind of solidified <laughs> why I want to do what we do now. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a, was it a, was it a grand or was it an upright? yeah yeah thankfully it was just like a little spinach (laughs) (laughs) yeah not a not a massive massive thing and then the other thing that I remember that you were telling me that sometimes you would find things in pianos that people would forget about like either hide they might hide something in there or they just pop something in and forget about it (laughs) what are some of the more colorful things that you have discovered inside pianos Oh, giant collection of guitar picks. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Every guitar pick you can imagine. <laughs> That's probably the most common thing we find is, is guitar picks. Um, a lot of it is like people will set something down on a piano and then the piano just, it's a black hole. It just sucks yeah, it in. Yeah, it just eats it. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I think like the very first interesting thing we found in some really old piano was some pictures from the early 80s and this piano was a piano that they had just gotten and they didn't want it anymore and they didn't know anything about it they didn't know the people who it came from and so there was no way of backtracking um but they were baby pictures um (laughs) from from some uh from definitely the early 80s some really chubby little baby and he was so cute um (laughs) and we didn't i didn't keep those that was in the very beginning i was just like a just toss them and now I'm regretting it um (laughs) but um we find um uh, well there was a a hand of cards it was a royal flush or something (laughs) like that it was a royal flush it was it was red so it was either the diamonds or the hearts and it was if you lift the very top lid of an upright piano and you have the hammers it was on the very left side of where the hammers were just perfectly stacked fanned out I don't know somebody placed them there and I still have those paper clipped together (laughs) um but we find um we found a really dainty it seems like a gold necklace a gold chain necklace a calculator from the 1970s A little toy race car. Um, I have my little army men that protect the that protect the uh, guitar, picks. guitar picks in the showroom that you've seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I have a whole bin of 
like well several bins of stuff that I want to have um to to display um but it kind of like shows you know people's lives almost kind of like snapshots yeah at the time you know a million they, sewing needles so we don't save those though so many sewing needles and sewing pins and oh one of my favorites was that upright tiger striped oak piano we worked on for nate it was uh early 1900s tall upright yeah, piano 1920s probably tiger striped oak it was a beautiful piano and we pulled the very front piece off it would be the piece if you if you have a sheet if you have music or a music book it's what the music leans against the, the very front of the piano and we pulled that off where you can see the strings and the hammers and stuff like that um, and at the very last ham well it would be the very first hammer the deepest note um there was a sewing needle with a piece of thread that was probably four to six inches and it was absolutely covered in dust mm -hmm. and <laughs> I would say it had been in there probably a minimum of 50 to 60 years based on the condition of the the thread and all I can imagine is maybe somebody was tuning the piano or they decided to take that piece off to make the piano louder and somebody somebody's mom or sister or auntie or something like that was sitting there sewing something mm -hmm. and they just stuck the needle in the hammer yeah in the felt in the felt of the hammer uh -huh. maybe to come back to it and <laughs> for some reason or another they never did and it's just been in the piano ever since and somebody got called away they're in the middle of mending something they got called away and they needed to put their needles somewhere and then plunked it in there and then forgot about it mm -hmm. and, and i wonder too if maybe some of these things like some of these things that kids probably put in the piano like maybe somebody's <laughs> brother or sister took that little car and hid it in the piano so their little brother couldn't find the car and they knew where it was but the little and then they forgot about it because kids forget about things and um but yeah you're right it is like a snapshot kind of a kind of a thing you know little bits of lives and you imagine the stories behind them and and the mm -hmm. other thing too is that piano is because they're so uh monumental they are the focus of a room so they are the thing that um i mean i remember my mom had an upright and uh it was made in um montreal i think it was a shaw and i remember when i was teething going around the edge in front of the uh -huh. keyboard and going nang, 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 nang. Uh, so, <laughs> I can imagine that. Uh -huh. there, there were teeth marks in the varnish uh -huh. for me. And so all through the years I would look at that and go, oh sorry mom. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> you know? And oh, I remember it, the taste of varnish. Yeah, oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Varnish in the field <laughs> in the field of the wood. And we we get yum, that yum, yum. we get that a lot. Um because we restore and have pianos you know not just for our our shop or for our showroom that we sell but we restore for for families um yeah. and not just the the most important part is the inside you know making sure it play it plays properly and it sounds great um for however long it can um but a lot of times we try to take care of the outside um to make sure it looks as good as possible but 
whenever we bring in somebody's piano that they've had for a while, um, we always ask, you know, do you want us to take care of anything cosmetically? Do you want us to touch up the cabinet and shine the hardware and stuff like that? And a lot of times, a lot of times people are like, yes, make it look as brand new as possible. But a lot of time, but occasionally um, somebody will be like, don't touch the cabinet. Uh, you know, that little scratch is from um, Aunt Susan <laughs> doing, you know, her ring knocking against it or, you know, little Timmy hit the piano or, you know, they're, you know, because it is the focal point. Um, and a lot of times it's been in the family for a long time. So they have a lot of memories. Um, and a lot of times, you know, not just, you know, mental and emotional because of the music, but physical as well, because they can see it and they can, you know, remember um, you know, everything that, you know, all the Christmases and family gatherings and stuff like that with it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is like some families have somebody who's, who's a, who's a serious musician or, or a serious amateur and they play it all the time. And then some families, they have a piano that they probably inherited from mom or dad and they don't play it. It just sits there. And, and is it is it not true that a piano is kind of like a car? It needs to be driven to keep it healthy. Like you don't right. want to have a piano that's sitting there and nobody's ever using it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, a lot of people, we get a lot of calls, you know, people will say, you know, um, the piano is in good condition. It, we've had it for the past 30 years. It hasn't ever been played. So it'll be, you know, it just needs a little tuning and stuff like that. But, you know, just like a car, you know, if you have a car, you know, sitting in the garage yeah. for who knows how long, you know, at least every 30 days, you got to go out and start it up and let it run for yeah. a certain amount of time. And it's the same thing for a piano because a piano is a machine, you know, it's a musical instrument and any musical instrument, they're machines. Um, and there's proper maintenance and, and taking care of it and stuff like that, you know, that goes beyond the scope of just tuning, um, uh, you know, and, um, that's something that we try to try to also, um, one of our big focuses is educating, it is educating people, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, just tuning a piano is just like, just changing the oil in your car right yeah you know absolutely has to be done every ten thousand miles every six months you know same thing for a piano um the more you drive a car the more you gotta do that kind of stuff but then you have a tune-up for your car checking your spark plugs draining all your fluids replacing lines and stuff like that it's the same thing mm -hmm. for the piano you know every how however it gets played every 10 to 20 years it needs to be fully serviced yeah. so it can play good um, and that's something that people don't realize you know for them it's just how it sounds and they get used to how it plays and stuff like that and they might not realize something's you know it doesn't play the way it needs to until there's just something absolutely wrong with it just like you're driving a car mm -hmm. and you don't quite realize something's going on until you have smoke coming out the back end right right, right. Like that. whereas yeah. if you took it in and took care of it you could have you could have seen it coming it's the same thing for pianos so um, and then and then the piano that we know today with the 88 key piano when 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 did that become the standard what was that like 1890s or something or before then do you know 
dates themselves. About like 18, you know. About like 18. I mean, really, it's been a, a long evolution, but like it hasn't changed a lot in 200 years. Mm-hmm. Not not a lot. So uh, the biggest, the biggest, most important things happened like more than 200 years ago. So they've, um, but they've gotten, uh, you know, they just kept making the better better and evolving a little bit here and there. I know the, the, he's mislabeled as the inventor, quote unquote, inventor of the piano. Um, Christopher Bartolomeu or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had my book in front of me, I'd be able to uh, look that up. Um, but he, he made, there was all 1750s, 1750s dating back to 1600s 1500s there's been various keyboard and stringed instruments mm-hmm. um and harpsichords and whatnot yeah and clavichords and stuff like that um but he contributed a really big um part of what's called the action how the piano plays um how when you press the key it makes the hammer hits the hit the string it's a now it's a complicated um mechanism and he was probably the one of the biggest contributors to how it how it plays now um and between then and now there's been quite a few um advancements but um like matthew said for the most part for the last 200 years the basics of it have been the same um now we're just changing out the type of materials um pretty much right and and then also, so is a is a piano a stringed instrument or a percussive instrument? It's both. As percussive. Oh, it can be classified. It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it can be classified as a percussion percussion instrument, but it can also be classified as a keyboard instrument because keyboards you have um, pianos, um, pump organs, electric organs, clavichords, harpsichords, and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a mix of a whole bunch of different. Because your your fingers aren't hitting the, the strings, that your fingers are controlling the mechanism, and then the hammer hits the string, same as if you were holding a mallet to hit a drum. Right. So it's a um, not too much different. So I don't think it. I think it would be the least of all. It would be a stringed instrument because I think for the most part those are ones that are going to be plucked or bowed. Mm-hmm. And this is just my my yeah. guess limited understanding of stringed instruments um but it's more it would be between string and percussion it would be more percussion it would be more like a mallet type instrument such as um the xylophone or the marimba or something like that Mm -hmm. because it's struck the strings are struck it's struck you hit the keys and then there's a piece inside called the hammer and that's what hits the string and makes makes the noise um but there's and uh, and it's evolving now from my understanding is the keyboard subset of musical instruments and so it kind of falls into a mixture of them so what what is the biggest innovation like say hmm if we if we we're talking pianos from the 1920s versus the pianos now what is it materials is that is is that the biggest change more than the more than the 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 structure of the thing or the mechanisms yeah the, the structure hasn't changed uh but i guess the biggest um, biggest and maybe on the only difference really is uh 
you know, like the going from the traditional wooden parts to the carbon composite machine and uh, 3D printed parts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, but, but the design is the same. So, then, but these parts are stronger and more consistent. So, mm, right. And then there's the other, the other matter of wood availability. So a lot of the pianos that are made now are probably very different because they're, they're laminate, they're laminates, right? Like soundboards. Cause that's another thing that I was, that I was interested in talking about was um, with the soundboards, like the difference between the ones that say are in a 1930s Baldwin, like what Brad has in our dining room <laughs> versus say, um, say um, like a, like a Yamaha studio piano that was born yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Brad's 1930s um, Baldwin, um, you know, that the soundboard and the, and, and you know, um, I'm not sure about the specifics for each, you know, type of wood, but at least for the soundboard would have been a spruce from a tree that was at least a hundred years old, if not more growing in a different environment um, at in Matthew probably can explain a little bit better about the how the grain is arranged and stuff like that for older can or older trees um, versus trees that are growing now um, but a big part of it is you know the quality is the quality of the wood um, they're harvesting they're having to harvest um, trees now younger mm -hmm. you know because we only almost exclusively have new growth um, right. at forests um, and old growth forests you probably can you know I can't say country to country but you know you can't harvest from yeah, old growth forests and uh, and then also the other thing about the soundboard is that it is layers and layers and layers right it's not because I think a lot of people have in their minds if they don't if they if well, they've never seen the inner workings of a piano they don't know that it's not a solid piece of wood <laughs> it's a it's a planks yeah so side by side mm -hmm. you might be thinking about of four the, six inches uh wide and then they uh, that forms the whole soundboard. Yeah, you might be mm -hmm. thinking of it is solid, um, it is solid spruce, but uh, a good soundboard will be solid spruce. But there are the newer ones, which I think else is uh, the laminated soundboards, which is multiple ply. Okay, not necessarily bad if they're done properly. Which yeah. is a solid piece, but it's exactly. multiple solid pieces, and uh, but uh, you know that's a way to build a more affordable product mm -hmm. you might not you, as good as a product but you know yeah and you might be thinking of for the like the layering and how thick they are you might be thinking more of the pin block um, where the tuning pins oh, okay. are um the soundboard is actually a really thin piece of about quarter inch quarter inch oh it's that less. thin so the soundboard is for an upright piano it's the big piece of wood that's on the back um for a grand piano it's if you look under a grand piano it's the big piece of wood that spans the whole the whole um, size of the piano. The soundboard is under uh, tension, so it's actually slightly uh, larger than the perimeter of the piano. So if you picture like the grand piano, the curve. Mm -hmm. uh, so the soundboard at the factory, they dry it down to about five percent humidity. They bring the humidity way down instead of normal humidity around forty or fifty percent humidity. They bring it down to about five percent humidity, and then and then at that point, now the soundboard has been shrunk, and then they they press it into the perimeter and then once it comes up to uh room temperature and humidity now it's it's actually under stress 
So it's mm, okay. uh, it's slightly uh, got a uh, curvature to it, mm -hmm. which is the reason why the piano has volume. So it's it's that piece of wood that you see is not it's not flat. You it looks like it's flat, mm -hmm. um, but it's not flat. Um, it's going to have a slight curve, and I'm. It's called the crown. It's called the crown, um, and and also it's not necessarily the same thickness the whole whole way through it's going to be a little thinner towards the center of that piece of wood the soundboard and as you go out to the edges it's going to be a little bit thicker and also depends on the the end that has the higher notes is going to be a little thinner it has to be uh, each area and, has to be the right thickness for this given piece of wood the vibrating frequency where and where the lower notes are it's going to be thicker um to help 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 transmit the sound and stuff like that the soundboard is essentially the speaker of mm -hmm. the piano um and there's a whole science behind that even two of the exact same model piano their soundboards that you'll measure the thicknesses in different areas and it will be way different so mm -hmm. and it's uh but exactly where it needs to be in that area for that particular because there's no two wood grains that are the same so mm -hmm. there is uh that's, that's why there's just you can't have there's just never will be two guitars that sound the same or two pianos that sound the same two violins two cellos even if they come out of the factory one after the other especially as they age because wood ages um you know depending on the environment it's in and the use it the you know the use of it um as well um, um and there's for sound boards there's the most popular um wood is sitka Sitka, Sitka spruce, Sitka spruce huh? um, which I do believe is um, harvested from certain parts of Alaska and maybe a little mm -hmm. bit into Canada. Um, and of course, there's probably other types of spruce. Um, and then some companies played around with using mahogany as well. Um, I know Story and Clark. Um, and one of my favorite studio sized pianos um, was a Story and Clark with a mahogany soundboard. Um, and that changes um, the initial attack of the note. So when you first hit the note, how loud that is, as well as how long it holds out. Spruce is kind of like the, the best for it. You get a good attack and then it vibrates for a really long time. The nature of wood vibrates. It has resonance. Um, it has resonance and the notes hold out for a long time. Um, from my understanding um, with mahogany, um, it has... it concentrates a little bit more on the attack and it doesn't resonate quite as long which is for some people it's kind of odd because they're just so used so used to how a piano sounds but for me for a home piano I think mahogany would probably be a little bit better because you don't necessarily need the resonance whereas versus a concert piano um and a full um uh, a full auditorium is going to need something that holds out for a really long time. So you want the yeah. Sitka spruce, um, but mahogany is more expensive. Um, so the general, general idea is using the spruce. And then there's the um, laminate as well, um, which of course is more cost-effective because um, you can use cheaper quality woods. Um, you know, there's more manufacturing, but that kind of, kind of evens out. Um but it's not necessarily having a having a laminated um, a plywood soundboard. If it's done properly, it actually can be on par, if not maybe a little bit better than a traditional spruce soundboard if it's done 
properly. I remember so the 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 aforementioned Shaw piano from Montreal that was my mom's upright. She she would always tell me she would as, as though she had never told me before. She would say, "That's a mahogany soundboard, you know." <laughs> <laughs> as though that was like something you know what i mean but at the time this was in the, it was built in the 30s and 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 mahogany was more plentiful then too mm -hmm. and so like now i think um i think it's hard to get certainly wouldn't find old growth mahogany that would be protected if it's anywhere you know but um so but, that you so that piano that was shaw that's s h a w yeah i think it's i think it was uh uh i want i want to say j a shaw something like that i wish i wish mm -hmm. i could remember the exact name but it was definitely some or or e b w b shaw w b shaw i think it was from montreal i'll have to, I'll have to look at that I, I don't think we've ever come across a canadian piano at least i have at least i haven't um so it would be interesting to learn you know we we know mostly about american and and uh, Asian European and stuff like that. Um, so I'll have to look into that and see what I can find out about that company. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah. What um what what is your um in in terms of because you know how how people have a preference for different brands you know because they have a different sound like a Steinway has a certain quality and a Baldwin has a certain warmth about it and typically anyway and then like Kawais and and um mason and hamlin's and um the one that you mentioned the the, the one that you mentioned that had a mahogany soundboard storing clark mm -hmm. storing clark yeah and is that an is that an american company by the way storing clark originally it was um i and i would have to go back over my reference materials um to figure out when they went out of business they were well over 100 years in business in america um but um they're one of the ones that have now been bought up by um, Asian companies, um, Story and Clark and Asian and Kohler and Campbell. Um, so a lot of people think they're getting what they what they grew up on, uh, grew up with, um, but they're not. Um, but we've had quite a few Story and Clarks, and um, that's probably one of my. Well, for me, it's hard to say what a favorite piano is because it, you know, coming as a piano technician. Um, and working on them, you know, is, is working is, you know, how, how, how well it is to work on them and the quality of how they were originally built. Um, sound wise, um, of course, you've been to our shop. So you, mm -hmm. you know, my favorite is our 1931 Mason and Hamlin model yes. grand piano. <laughs> yeah. And what is the thing um, that makes the, 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 that Mason and Hamlin's tend to be heavier. Why? What is it? Is it the harp that's the heavy that that they're particularly heavy in the Mason and Hamlin's, or what is there something else about them that makes them heavy? Um, for the actual like weight itself, um, it's what's called a tension resonator. Mm. Um, and if you were to look underneath um a Mason and Hamlin grand piano, you would see um this metal contraption kind of almost like a spider or something like yeah. that um, but that that ties into what we were talking about the soundboard holding the crown holding the curve of the soundboard because as a piano ages it your natural instinct is to kind of think like a piano falling apart is it's going to fall outward it's going to explode mm -hmm. but a lot of times a piano is going to implode it's going to go in on itself 
And the tension resonator is this extra framework that pushes out um, on the cabinet of the piano to help keep it from imploding, from going in. And it helps protect the crown, that curve of the soundboard. Um, and it can be adjusted over time because the crown is always also not constant. So 100 years goes by, the crown is no longer where it was. Maybe it needs to be adjusted, but you, Mason Hamlin is the only piano where you can't adjust it. And it's, it's exclusive on Mason and Hamlin, the, the tension, tension rater, resonator. So for the actual weight of the piano itself, pound wise, um, that's what helps with it. Um, for the sound, um, that has multiple factors, um, you know, the wood of the piano itself, um, you know, because wood vibrates and it resonates, um, the soundboard, um, but and the strings, of course, but one of the biggest factors um, is the, the piano hammer, um, which if you, if you have an upright piano, if you lift the lid, the uppermost lid, and you look down, um, you can see the mechanism that actually hits the string, and that's the piano hammer. Um, if you have a grand piano, if you move the music desk, the thing that holds the music, if you move it out of the way, you can look down in the strings and you can see what comes up and hits the, hits the strings. Um, and you can tell it's a cloth material, it's felt, it's wool. Um, and there's different ways where it's made. Um, it's really interesting how the shape of, of the original material is, um, but it, mostly depends on if it's what's called cold pressed or hot pressed um, because if anybody that works with wool anybody who's a barber artist um, any felting or spinners or something like that um, they know if you use heat that compacts the fibers of the wool and it makes it harder makes it harsher um, and for a for a piano hammer it makes it tighter and harder. Um, if it's cold press, it's more time. You're just using pressure um, to form the shape of it. Um, so something that's hot pressed is gonna be harder and it's gonna cause it to be a brighter sound. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of difficult to describe, describe it. Um, but, and then if something's cold pressed, it tends to be a little bit, It's the felt tends to be softer and it's a warmer sound. Warmer, yeah. I, I guess it's kind of like if you were to if you were to throw a punch and you <laughs> tighten your fist as much as possible and you hit somebody, you have that really tight, tight sound. And if you just go at somebody willy-nilly, it's just gonna thump against mm -hmm. somebody. You know, if you're not holding strength, if you're not holding your fist, it's just going to thump against somebody. It's kind of like if you were to take your, like if you were to take your fist to your, like your two hands, have one hand flat and you punch the other, you hold your hand, really, your fist really tight and you hit your flat hand. It's going to be a sharp sound. Yeah. If you were to have a loose fist and then hit, it's going to have a duller sound. Right, right, right. So... <laughs> So here's a question. What, what is the optimal, what are the optimal conditions under which a piano would live in terms of temperature and humidity? And is there anything else that people, so people can be kind to their pianos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Always be kind to your piano. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so a piano is, 
I mentioned earlier, a piano is a machine, but at the same time, it's kind of an organic being. And yeah. the fact that it's mostly made out of wood, uh-huh. like I couldn't person, like if I were to, I were to guess like 87% of it, maybe not, yeah, 87% of it would be wood. Um, and then you have metal and then you also have a lot of felt, not just in the hammers, um, like I was talking about, but in a whole bunch of different, um, different places and felt is subject to humidity as well as wood. Um, so to properly take care of your piano, humidity is the biggest factor and you want that to be between 40 to 50% Mm -hmm. relative humidity, um, to be in the happy spot. Um, Mm, it's your desert pianos are at risk then because (laughs) desert in Arizona, um, Mm -hmm. it's not kind of pianos because it's so dry. It's so dry. So things are going to start, you know, the, the wood, um, and the felt is going to start to shrink. So, you know, the different parts are going to start to get loose. The biggest part of that is glue joints are going to start to get loose because wood Mm -hmm. shrinks. It's everything's glued together. Um, but wood, wood moves, it, it changes glue does not. So if wood shrinks, it's going to break away from the glue and it's not just the inside mechanisms, but it's the cabinet as well. Um, it literally can start to fall apart if it gets too terribly dry. Um, on the other end, if a piano gets too humid, if it starts to get above 50, 60, 70, 80%, um, mm-hmm. not just rusting, um, which you would think of, um, you know, for the metal and the strings, um, rusting and corrosion, um, but all the wood and the felt is going to puff up and right. you're going to have, um, keys that start to stick and things aren't going to play properly because everything just wants to, it's all puffed up and it just wants so to settle. It's yep. It's all bloated. <laughs> it's all bloated and unhappy. Uh-huh. Wow. It's, it's just so fascinating. It's like what you said too, is that they are, because these things are, they're, they're built, not, no two are the same essentially, because even if they are manufactured, the, the wood, the wood grain is going to be a little bit different. There's going to be differences, subtle differences here and there. So it, it is kind of like pianos are sort of like, I, I joked about how in your showroom, there is a herd of pianos. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like there are these creatures standing there waiting for someone to love them <laughs> and then um oh it's great i i could talk to you guys all night about pianos but what, what um um just real quick about uh, in terms of the pianos that tend to be like what you see on concert stages um, cause I know I've seen Bosendorfers and of course Steinways mm-hmm. and, 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 um, Baldwin, Yamaha. Yamahas, mm-hmm. yeah, Elton John and his Yamahas. Um, yep. is there, is there kind of a, uh, a typical, I mean, isn't Yamaha kind of a, a sort of a thing that seems to be more consistent in its sound or, or keeps its tuning longer think- or something like that? They they're all the same actually. There's not too much difference between them all. If you tune your if you take care of your piano, mm-hmm. whether it's a Yamaha or a Steinway or a Mason Hamlin, mm-hmm. uh, well, some do stay in tune a little better than others. Um, but your average piano is going to stay in tune about the same as any other piano, mm-hmm. uh, if you're taking care of it properly. But uh, 
you know, you, you see a lot more Yamahas because they're, they're more easily available. Mm, they're just okay. making a million of, you know, they're, they're very easy to come by. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and probably like, um, like speaking specifically for the likes of Yamaha, because you do see those on stage in recording studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, a lot of people prefer those. Um, is because there is a little bit more consistency in Yamaha's um, and other high quality um, Asian pianos that are um, uh, mani- um, manufactured for their uh, price point. For their price point, mm-hmm. that's uh, the biggest thing. Uh, they don't compete with any other piano that's above. They don't compete anywhere close to the pianos that are in a different price point. Mm-hmm. They're not on the same level at all. So it all depends on. Um, instruments are you have from beginner to high level instruments and you have everything in between so there's no different with piano um so it's just uh but as far as the best commercial the most the the best like mass-produced piano you know it might be yamaha or kawaii or you know probably um you know baldwin was up in there when they were in there when they were still around but they're not anymore uh but uh and they were on the Ballman, I think, was more on the higher, you know, way on the higher end. But they also were uh, commercially making high volume, too, mm-hmm. So, uh, which is hard to do. So I guess Yamaha is the closest thing to Baldwin that we have today, you know, as far as the numbers you're making versus keeping your quality control, mm-hmm. you know. But Baldwin still, I think, did better. Um, but, uh, you know, it just comes down to you know yamaha's been around since 1887 yeah Uh, baldwin's been around since you know they started 1850s Mm -hmm. um mason hamlin started 1850s um you know they've had a long time to tweak and trial and error and makes you know every year every piano they're making a small little tweak a small little tweak always always improve like always making a, a small little change so you know all these companies have had a long time to, you know, make their little tweaks. So, mm-hmm. and they're all, and they all have kind of a unique sort of sound and whatever, like we were talking about before. And, and, and for a lot of artists, I think they just have a preference for the feel of a, of a certain make of instrument. Like I think of Tori Amos, for example, who she plays almost exclusively Bosendorfers. That's, right. that's her, that's her <laughs> thing. And so, and somebody else, you know, their thing is Steinway and, somebody else they you know they're exclusively yamaha or whatnot and those are the artesians the musendorfer and steinway and mason hamlin you know especially someone like mason hamlin because they literally only build 300 a year Mm -hmm. so and then you have in retrospect uh yamaha which literally builds you know probably over fifty thousand a year (laughs) you know and then you have steinway you know you would think they're pretty artesian they they kind of are but for their price point, you know, they build an okay piano. Mm-hmm. They build around 7,000 pianos a year. Yeah. Um, Mason Hamlin competes with Steinway's price point, but they're building a far superior instrument, you know, and they're, they're, they're building such small numbers that only a few hundred a year that they can actually put their focus in the proper areas to build a true uh, luxury, you know, piano <laughs> that, 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 that like... covers that covers everything you know yeah. 
and mm. and and for something like that like an artisanal piano that where they only make about 200 of them two to 300 a year those are probably super expensive i imagine like what like 150 but they they run at the same price as the steinways you know oh yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is you know which is pretty high you know but uh but there's still pianos that are way higher you know mm -hmm. uh for sure so but you know uh you know a, a decent yamaha you know is gonna be a good half or a quarter or a half or a third less expensive but you do get what you pay for you know with instruments yeah you know the scale design is the biggest thing scale design and uh, which is how the the strings are laid out, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, like the same thing as guitar, the difference between a good guitar and a bad guitar. Uh, not a bad guitar, but just a beginner guitar and a high-end guitar is the scale. Uh, one of the biggest things is the scale design, which is uh, just how good it sounds. Mm -hmm. So, and how well it stays in tune. So, uh, I think so one thing we... One thing we've noticed as being piano technicians is we have noticed Mason Hamlin pianos hold tune incredibly better than uh, your average piano. Baldwin does it too, you know, they have an ex excellent scale design. You know, when you get the scale design perfect, um, uh, there's no such thing as a perfect scale design. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a uh, lots of piano as a piano technician as a piano tuner we talk to all kinds of piano tuners and we're always sharing the same stories and we all have the same things that keep occurring to us and certain pianos you know even steinways they have consistent bad areas in them where they're they're not perfect and they're not they need improvement but it's just part of that piano you know it's part mm -hmm. of that model and you know all pianos have their little quirks to them and uh but some pianos have way less quirks and you know uh makes it hamlin's way up on that list <laughs> you know they you know it's uh it's just uh when when they are consistent time after time you you form you know you form your uh ideas about them so yeah this are very much like cars in that way it's like land rovers and head gaskets and you know <laughs> one thing right. one thing it's something else and then some things are just rock solid never an issue just hum along mm, yep. perfectly and um so when is your when is the new space when are you moving into it we're hoping by December, um, we did get an update um, on them. Um, they got pushed back a little bit on um, the new roof. Um, so they asked us for, um, you know, let us know it might be in about another month. So um, we're hoping for December. Um, uh, and as we get closer to, to, you know, we'll be able to announce an official date. Um, you know, it is a little bit of wait and see uh, just because they're having to completely redo the inside of it. Yeah. um but um you know it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be worth waiting worth wait. worth, worth waiting for <laughs> we're, we're so we're so excited we actually uh popped in um the other day um and they started um they had started building the stairs going to the mm -hmm. to the upstairs currently you can't get to the second level um uh but they just they just now started putting the stairs in um so it's 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 going and we're so excited about it <laughs> yes and as long as there are people and as long as there are musicians there will be pianos 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. We'll never be out of work. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything, anything else that you want to say about pianos, about, about your love for them or? Oh gosh, I could go on. Oh. <laughs> See, this is why this is why I wanted to talk to you because you're you're in love with pianos and each other. That's the other thing is that it is a it is a love story. It is a love story over pianos and and what what are the odds that two people in this world are as passionate about <laughs> about uh, the care and feeding of pianos? And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's great. Yeah. We, we joke, um, uh, we don't have kids. Um, so we joke that instead of uh, giving our parents grandbabies, we give them baby grands. Yes. <laughs> they want. <laughs> well, and, um, and, you know, they're, they don't have to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but it's just, I, I don't know. It was just, we always knew we've always worked well um together um ever since we first started working together um in cracker barrel um and we've worked at many of the restaurants here in lebanon <laughs> if you're yeah. from lebanon or wilson county um there's a good chance we have one or both of us have waited on you um, <laughs> um and if you but, have a piano in the nashville greater nashville area chances are matt has come to your house and tuned your piano <laughs> absolutely or the both of us have gone and moved it um, moved it in yes um but we we've definitely definitely been blessed um with that we've always known um that we were going to open our own business. Um, we thought it was going to be a restaurant um, <laughs> uh, just because that, that was our background um, and that was kind of the path. Um, and it it was just by chance. We were just one day. He, like the actual background of where it came <laughs> from is um, he took lessons when he was younger. I wasn't able to because I moved around too much. Um, uh, too much to too many too many times to move to keep a piano much less to try to get lessons from somebody and we just decided to get a piano um, around like I said 2016 2017 um, for me to learn to play and for him to pick back up and it was just from there just kind of it just changed the course <laughs> of our lives <laughs> instead of food food for the stomach it's food for the soul then absolutely yep. <laughs> um, and for me that's kind of what i always wanted to do i always um when i was in school i wanted to be a high school band director i play flute i'm a mm -hmm. big marching band geek and that's what i wanted to do if i could i could i, I would still do that <laughs> um but um i can still help bring you know, help bring music and, and encourage creativity in families and kids and people in our community. Um, so I just, I still ended up doing exactly what I wanted to. And also, um, because, uh, you guys have a chess night. Um, I, I, the last time that we came, I remember seeing all those kids who came to play chess and pianos. And I just think that, that that's an amazing combination <laughs> to be introducing young kids to these days. It's always, always fun. <laughs> always a fun night. 
Yeah, you know, um, almost as soon as we decided um, we were going to get a storefront, um, Matthew is the chess player. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a little bit. I understand it somewhat, um, but he's he's been the longtime chess player. Um, and we just instantly knew that we wanted to host a chess night um, and or we wanted to do something like that. And we had that idea. Um and when we opened our storefront, um, the local coffee shop, Split Bean, uh, Split Bean Roasting Company, they're on the square. Um, they used to hold um, a weekly game night. And it was just, they had some board games and you could bring a board game and they stayed open a little bit later. And there was a small group that just played chess. Um, and it kind of, from... From, I had to stay and uh, take care of the shop while while that was going on. But my understanding was that it was a good, like a good sized group, almost kind of a little bit bigger than than what they could do there. Um, so we decided to host chess night once a month um, here at our shop because we have the space and um, he collects chess boards. So we we thankfully started started off with enough. <laughs> um, but it's been really great seeing um, the um, seeing that as well you know music attracts a lot of people um but chess has attracted a lot of people um as well and it's been a great community um uh one of the big uh big groups that started off was a um some of the uh one of the local boy scout troops um we hosted actually uh, we were able to host um their uh, chess merit badge one year Mm -hmm. um uh, but we have people have never played before. We had a friend who wanted to bring her daughter, um, just to get into some better things than what she was getting into. Yeah. And, um, they were, she never played chess before, but she was willing to come, come check it out. And she enjoyed it. Um, we have people who play casually and we've had a couple of people who play on the professional kind of semi-professional level and play championships and stuff like that. And, they kind of got kind of go hand in hand you have the black and white chess keys and you have the black and white piano or the black and white chess pieces and the black and white piano keys and yes kind of goes together (laughs) yeah it's beautiful well and um and i'm sure that we will see you the next time either the next time or the time after that we will see you for chess night and piano (laughs) and and you're just such a pleasure to to chat with and hang out with and and so thank you so much for doing this thank you for getting me uh keeping me honest and getting me back into the uh the podcasting business again oh yeah we're we're excited about that thank you thank you for having us it's 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 been fun (laughs) thank you thank you I bet that you will never look at a piano in quite the same way again. Fascinating stuff. I want to thank Alex and Matt for their time today and for sharing their incredible stories and their knowledge about all things piano. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for your support, for your kind words, and for your continued support. Thank you so much. Until next time. Take good care of yourselves, take good care of each other, and as always, I will see you on the other side for another episode of Conversations from Here. Take care, everybody.